time for the big thing on Total Soccer Show, a show where we dig into the biggest news topics from the beautiful game. Today, we're heading to the Eternal City, Rome, where there have been big changes at Roma. After 929 days in charge, Jose Mourinho was dismissed as manager on Tuesday. This comes after he endeared himself to the Giallarossi faithful and led the team to two European finals, winning the Europa Conference League to deliver the first European trophy since 1991 and its first silverware of any kind in 14 years. On the same day, the club announced a new interim coach, Daniel. De Rossi, a born and bred Roman who represented the team on the field for 18 seasons. His managerial record, though, isn't quite as illustrious. Today, we'll look at what went right and what went wrong for Jose, what lays ahead for this team, and what's going to happen with Daniel De Rossi. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today to talk calcio, buongiorno, Taylor Rockwell. Buongiorno, Ryan Bailey. Ciao, Joseph Lauri. Ciao. How are you feeling about talking about Rome for 45 minutes to an hour, Ryan? Does that fill you with dread inside after after your experience, or are you happy now that you're free? I don't know what you're talking about. I loved every minute of the two years I lived in. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, my bad. I misremembered. This is the newsletter talking. <laughs> <laughs> Salve grande, Graham Ruthven. Hello. Salve grande. Don't know what that means. Hope it's not offensive. How are you, Ryan Bailey? It's not. It's wonderfully endearing, as are you, my dear. Uh, Very good to be talking about, Jose. On this episode, uh, I do have some insight from some locals on the ground that we can get to a little later on. Patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show, by the way, I should say, for bonus content. We'll be continuing this discussion in our Discord, which you can access via our Patreon. Thank you very much indeed if you support us via that medium so far. Uh, Graham, how about we kick off with uh, a little pricey of what Mourinho got up to um, with Roma. As I say, uh, nine, nearly a thousand days in charge there. He was and still is pretty well loved for the position he got Roma to compared to where they were before he arrived. Yeah, so this maybe hits at what I think is the most fascinating part of Mourinho's sacking is the debate that is still happening on social media and on radio shows, I'm sure, in, in Italy over whether he was a success or failure mm. at Roma. Most of the time when a manager is sacked, there is a consensus about whether their time in charge of that club was was good or not. But there are all kinds of different opinions flying around here. He did win the, the club's first major trophy since 2007, as you mentioned as you, in your intro, Ryan. But even that is kind of a subject for debate because it was the Europa Conference League. And I don't think anyone knows at this point, what is this, like the third or fourth season? Third season, I, I believe that that trophy has existed. I don't think anyone knows what to think of that tournament. Josie yeah, knows he got a tattoo, Graham. Indeed he did, yes. Feels like he was maybe making a point there. Uh, that was part of his contract negotiation, I believe, that, that that tattoo. But Roma, they also did reach the Europa League final under Mourinho last season, which I think warrants um, credit, certainly. But then he faced a lot of criticism for the way he set up Roma so conservatively in that final against Sevilla. In the league, um, Roma finished seventh in Mourinho's first season and then sixth last season, and they are currently uh, ninth. And that's where, in my opinion, Mourinho doesn't really have much to suggest that he improved the team. They actually regressed from finishing fifth the season before his his arrival. And the aim for Roma was to finish in the top four, qualify for the Champions League. And that didn't happen with Mourinho in charge. And, and it wasn't really ever close to happening either. And then there were concerns, which we can talk a little bit more, uh, we can talk more about, about the the, the style of play. The, one of the big things that really hurt Mourinho, in my opinion, was his record against the big clubs in Serie A. So in three and a half seasons, he had one win against Lazio, one draw, four defeats. Against Milan, zero wins, two two draws, four defeats. Against Inter, one win, five defeats. He had a losing record against Inter, AC Milan, Napoli and Juventus and it was back-to-back defeats against Lazio and AC Milan that prompted Roma to act earlier this week than I think a lot of people had been expecting. I was pretty shocked by the news. Um, Taylor asked me, I can't remember if this was on or off air, but earlier in the week whether um, Roma would sack Mourinho and I said I didn't think they would. It it felt like there was a discussion around his future, his contract was up for negotiation at the end of the season, but I didn't think the Friedkins would pull the trigger. Evidently, I didn't have the read on the internal situation and they did. Uh, two things. One would be, I think Graham uh, said one of the big things earlier. I think that might be the first time we've said one of the big things <laughs> on the big thing episode. So well done, Drink. Graham. He said the name of the movie in the movie. Hey, Woo! Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen. Uh, 
the, the like Graham also like did a really good job of running through Mourinho's time in Rome. I think there are some really interesting what ifs because he supposedly turns down the Portugal job. According to him, he had offers from Saudi Arabia, <laughs> Saudi Arabia last summer, turns those down as well. So if he had left in the summer or taken the Portugal gig, uh, if it actually were offered to him, I, I do think we're having a different conversation about Jose Mourinho at Rome. Similarly, if they win the Europa League, which they end up losing on pens, then it's it's two European finals, it's the conference and Europa League, and it does feel like there's no way they sack him, first of all. But also, again, I think we're having a different conversation about his legacy and the successes he's had. So I think like it's a credit to him that they win the conference. Uh, it's a credit to him that he is so endeared to the Roma faithful but I think there's also a kind of a feeling of it's really sad he's gone but we kind of understand it but it is sad he's gone I think it's also really interesting that it's not as much infighting it's not as much squad descent there's some and I feel like there's been some in seasons past at Roma but we don't get nearly as much of the squad in complete disarray and free fall and everybody hates each other that we often get when Mourinho leaves a club it feels like it's just the results are poor and not improving yeah. Uh, also, Joe, it might be worth pointing out that the perception of Jose Mourinho in Italy is very different to how it is in the English-speaking mm. soccer world, shall we say. He still has an incredible amount of credit from his time at Inter Milan when he won the treble, of course. Uh, and I've, I think I've referred to this previously on the feed, how I went to a Roma Inter game and there was a moment where both sets of fans in unison chanted his name. The Inter fans brought banners in support of him. And this is 12 or 13 years after what he achieved with them. So there is, there's some context here in terms of how he's perceived in Italy and how he's still perceived by the Roma fans as well. Yeah, he's, he's sort of a cultural icon in Italy and still among soccer fans really all around the world. He is a personality in a way that Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp are personalities. He is in that top upper echelon of managers when it comes to the persona, right? I, I don't think you can look at Jose Mourinho's recent stops in his career, Roma included, and say this guy is still one of the best managers in the world. But his personality still opens doors. His his resume, his ability to charm and to entice people and to do crazy stuff as well, is part of what makes him him. It's part of what has always made him the special one, which is still a super weird term. It's weird that anybody uses it, but like that's that's part of his brand now. That's part of who he is as a manager. When you zoom out to look at, at things more impartially, I think it's pretty hard to argue that Jose Mourinho has left Roma in a better place then he found it. Yes, they have an extra trophy in the cabinet. That's great. It is the least consequential European club trophy you could possibly have. They made it to the Europa League final. Like, unless you're Sevilla, going to the finals of these knockout <laughs> tournaments is not, it's not sustainable, right? If I'm running a club, if I'm owning a club like Roma, what I want to do is I want to be an elite team in Syria every single year. Roma are not that. They were, uh, Graham, I had it as, as Roma in seventh the previous year. It doesn't really matter, fifth or seventh. Jose signs up with Roma on May 5th, 2021. He takes over at the start of the 21-22 season. They finish sixth in that season. Then they finish sixth in the next season. And this year, they're in ninth. I think they're a bit better than ninth. But, like, they're, they're not meaningfully better in Serie A than they were before. Yes, they win the first trophy in 11 years for Roma. And that is incredibly exciting and is a feather in his cap. But if I'm trying to evaluate Jose Mourinho's time at, at, in Rome, it looks much closer to failure or to keeping the status quo than anything else. Yeah, and I think once you apply the context of the money that has been spent as, totally. as well, Joe, Roma reportedly have the third biggest wage budget in Serie A behind Inter and, and, and Juventus. So that context says that Roma um, certainly underachieved. In reading a lot of the reporting around Mourinho's sacking, that seems to have been... Uh, a big factor for the Friedkins, who are the the, the family, the, the people who own the uh, who, who own Roma as a club, and it seems that there was a divide between what the fans thought of Mourinho and what the owners thought of him. It seems that while Mourinho publicly spoke about signing a new contract with Roma, the Friedkins never had any intention of giving him that new contract. And James Horncastle's article for the Athletic, which by the way I would recommend any listener uh, reads that for some behind the scenes information about how this all went down. The family had just become more and more distant from Mourinho in recent weeks. They stopped going to games. They hadn't been seen around the training ground when they'd been pretty hands-on before that. There was also a tax break that was closed. This is also from James Horncastle's uh, article. There was a tax break that was closed this month by the Italian government and that tax break had previously made it easier for Italian clubs to sign foreign players or hire foreign managers 
and Mourinho, who was the highest paid manager in Serie A, his, with his contract up at the end of the season, it just feels like a renewal wasn't as likely as Mourinho liked to say in public it was. The financial side of this is really interesting to me because obviously I, I am slightly more conspiracy brained, but I do feel like we're getting briefings from each side that are like filtering through into different reporting because you'll get a lot of talk about how there weren't transfers that after that first season where they had a net spend of 113 million euros, they get hit with financial fair play settlement agreements that mean that they cannot sign players and that gets or cannot sign players past like a certain amount. Um, that gets mentioned a lot as like, well, there was there weren't reinforcements coming in and they weren't able to sign the players that they needed to, to move the team on. And that definitely feels like a Mourinho-centric talking point versus a lot of conversations around the fact that they did have that initial $100 million spend. Then they're bringing in players on freeze, uh, yeah. like Lukaku and Dybala, who are obviously on really high wages. And so that wage bill just completely skyrockets. I think all of that combined with the fact that some of those signings in that first season in that spending spree have not paid off or were maybe more than they needed to be or cost more than they, they needed to be means that you get a sort of discombobulated squad that's assembled at different points for different parts and and doesn't really come together in a way that makes a ton of sense but is still costing the team a huge amount of money because of that wage bill and i think that does factor in to the decision making to some extent gm uh, tiago pinto uh, who made a lot of these decisions uh, i think is leaving at the end of january so he's got a few he's got a few more weeks to kind of fully uh, ruin their transfer strategy and their budget before heading out for seemingly greener pastures yeah, that tax break is pretty big that you mentioned there as well, Graham. And I can speak from experience that it doesn't just affect soccer players. It's all foreign workers in Italy right, who okay. is affected, so to speak. Um, I, I would, I'd push back a slightly on, on the failure side of things. Yeah, I don't disagree with what you said there, Joe. But I think there's there's context in that um, the, the night that they won the Europa Conference League, I remember being out on the streets driving back home after that game, and it was like a different city. It was every car came. It was midnight on a Thursday night, but every car was out on the street with their flags. There were celebrations everywhere, even in like the suburb areas. So like he, he's lifted the team in many ways. The stadium, the Stadio Olimpico, which is huge, 70 something thousand people used to only get half attendances before his arrival. While in my two years in Rome, every home game, I believe, sold out. Yeah. So they're getting that's there's a revenue consideration there, but there's also a growth of his, his cult of personality, perhaps bringing in bigger belief in the team and bringing the city together a little more. I'd even argue that yes, they've got a, an additional European trophy since he arrived, and they were like a team outside the top four before, and they still are. So I wouldn't necessarily say there's been negative progress, although there's numbers that would suggest they have. Well, they're, yeah, they're yeah, the same. I, I take all those points, Ryan. I guess my question about the, the celebrations after the Europa Conference League win and Jose filling up the stadium, those are very real things. And those are very real boosts during his time there. And that Europa Conference League trophy for a, a club like Roma is, is like notable, right? I guess my question is to what end, right? Jose Mourinho fills up the stadium. They're still broke. Like they still can't spend money. Jose Mourinho fills up the stadium. They win the Europa Conference League trophy. That doesn't snowball into a Serie A title. That doesn't snowball to them qualifying for the Champions League. That doesn't snowball to them winning the Europa League. Although I am sensitive to the fact that results often dictate the narratives and one penalty going this way or that way could change the story here a little bit, right? But I, I'm trying to chalk up almost all of the uh, European competition success into like a single bucket, which is a very real thing. And Jose deserves credit for that. But I guess my, my whole thought on the Jose Mourinho era is it was fun while it lasted. Like, was there any lasting improvement that comes from it, that, that will come from it? I am very skeptical. Ryan, can I get your insight on the personal connection that a lot of Roma fans had with Mourinho? Because to me, as an outsider, it feels like Roma fans will remember Mourinho in much the same way that Inter fans do. He was, mm. he was one of them. And this is where you might be able to provide a bit of insight, having lived in Rome. The yeah. impression I got was Roma fans saw a reflection of themselves in Mourinho. There's the whole kind of north-south divide in Italy. And so Romans, despite being from the capital city, they see themselves as underdogs, right? And Mourinho does the whole underdog thing well, the siege yeah. mentality thing well. So they bought into that. And when he gave him a trophy, which trophies mean more, to, I, in my impression anyway, trophies mean more to fans than cup competitions I'm talking about, mean more to fans than maybe like front offices do. You don't get a great deal of revenue from winning any of these trophies. So it feels like both in terms of what he, what he did achieve at Roma and also the personal connection, 
it was entirely tilted towards the fan, which maybe the yeah. fans, which maybe explains the reaction we saw. The videos of him leaving the training ground, he's in tears, fans are in tears, they're ch- chanting his name. That maybe provides a bit of context for me. Would you agree with that or, or disagree? 100%. I agree with everything you said there. That it's clear that he feels very well connected to the Romans and vice versa. Like, uh, I know a couple of season ticket holders and they were saying, like, basically the fans have been distraught this week. Not just because of the arrival of Daniel De Rossi. We'll get to that later. Not that they don't like him, but they don't like that he's the appointment. Um, but because they, they're really going to miss him. And as you say, Graham, there's some intangibles in this. But his, his character and his temperament seem very well suited to Rome. For the reasons you outlined, they look at the, the the teams in the north and they feel like the underdog. It's exactly that. But also, what they love about him is his fight, is his passion. He doesn't give in. The, you know, we make fun of the fact that him and his bench staff get red cards constantly. Because it's, it's hilarious. Or, it is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, in a Premier League team, there'll be discussions like, we mm, shouldn't be doing that. This is detrimental to the team. In Rome, they're like, yes, get more red cards. <laughs> fight for us. You're here to fight for us. And that's what you're doing. And we will always love you for that. That's the attitude, which is great. Yeah, really. I'm just not sure that translates into a good football team yeah. on the pitch, no, but I understand. It. <laughs> 16 games suspended, was 16 it? 16 games, yeah, yeah. Across, yeah, across his time at Roma. I think, like, I- I'm sympathetic to all that, right? And when you're a fan, and this is how it should be, right? When you're a fan, like, some of the logic goes out the window, right? Because you are so uh, involved in the day-to-day and you live and breathe this stuff and you get attached to people in ways that those of us who don't, you know, have any attachment to Roma as a club won't get attached to those figures, right? So I, I'm sympathetic to all of that stuff. And I, I think, again, there are some pretty obvious high points in this time. And Jose is a character, and I hope he sticks around at a big job as a neutral because he's entertaining. But, like, I just can't, I can't see a world where Roma are in a better position now than they were when Jose Mourinho took over. And to me, that is how I evaluate a lot of a manager's time in charge of a club. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll look at where Roma are now, partic- uh, where Roma are now, excuse me, and particular, we'll look at their new interim manager, a familiar face. Back shortly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be Offers coming through willingly. There's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there. There's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain. There are many things to deal with. And unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively. But for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. 
Total Soccer Show, welcome back to the big thing. We're talking all things Roma. Jose Mourinho has departed stage left. In comes Daniel De Rossi. Uh, he is much loved among the Roma fans, Graham, of course. Uh, I always, I, I, I remembered him as a one-club man, but of course I forgot he played Boca Juniors for his final season. He went to Boca season. just yeah. because he wanted to, which yeah. I love. I don't know why more players don't do that. Just go and play for a club because it's cool to do so. Yeah, he went yeah. to Boca. But you had sort of him and Totti as the, they were for the most part one club men, you know, the salt of the earth Romans who defended and played for the club. So he's, he's a much loved character. But there's a manager as yet a little <laughs> unproven, should we say? Yeah, that's one way to word it. So as you say, Ryan, one of the most legendary figures as a player in Roma's history. Kind of wild that he's been given this job when his own, only other managerial position ended in relative failure at Spal in, in, in Serie B. He was there for five months and left them fighting relegation at the end of those five months. And because he was at Spal for such a short time, not much is known about his approach. The one article I found that did make reference to how he set up his team basically said he, he was he was a vibes guy, vibes guy, excuse me, but he did kind of demonstrate a, a willingness to have his team uh, build out from the back and press high. So in that sense, De Rossi... His Roma team might be a bit more progressive in style to Mourinho, but there's just no evidence to suggest that he can improve this 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 Roma team. And um, Ryan, I'm interested in. Before the break, you said Roma fans are un, are unhappy. Did I miss Did I miss hear that yeah. they're unhappy about De Rossi's appointment? Because yeah. that's surprising to me. It feels like this appointment, the, the the it's designed. The pure purpose of it is to try and keep Roma fans on side after sacking Mourinho, who was popular. So is that not working? I think that's the intention, Graham. But if you look at certainly the anecdotal evidence that I've seen, it is not the case. Like the the season ticket holders I've, I've spoken to are a bit unhappy about the situation. If you look at the social posts that have gone up since De Rossi was hired, a lot of it is quite negative. Um, obviously, if his previous job he got his team got relegated to Serie C, um, it's not great if you're coming in <laughs> to Roma as that's your only experience coming in. So there's obviously concern that he's suited to the job and he's got a good beard though. That's oh, got to count for something, terrific surely. Beard. He, yeah. yeah, he's terrific everything, really. But and I saw ter- him, uh, there was a video of him, he seemed to be getting public transport to the the training ground, I presume, to take his first training session. He was wearing a very like nice denim jacket as well. So, mm. yeah, good appointment, if yeah. you ask me. He's um, also, he's also talked about, it's strange how um, I'm coming back here, I'm going around the same roundabout to get to the training ground, and he was, he was going on and on about this sort of process that he used to do every day. I was like, dude, it was only like four years ago, wasn't it? Like, It's not, it's not like a... <laughs> he's, now he's in ago. charge. Now he gets the best parking spot of all the parking spots. Mm. Uh, I will add well, this. The one where his car gets I, the least dented, Taylor. Nice. <laughs> there we go. Um... <laughs> It's the least accessible to ultras if and when they riot. <laughs> um, I, I'll say this. I spoke to uh, a Roma Academy player a few years ago, and I was very excited to make a joke about uh, Daniela De Rossi, uh, intimidating or most intimidating player. And he was like, oh, no, he's not intimidating at all. He's like the nicest guy in the locker room. He's mm-hmm. the guy who will sit down with you and talk with you about how you could better perform and about what you're doing wrong in games and how, the ways he does things that allows him to see the pitch better. So anecdotally there is at least one account of him being a very personable guy who is very good in his communication with players i hear the the concern though and i understand where it is coming from it's not as though we have a recent history uh to follow of formerly beloved players being appointed to managerial positions in crisis situations and then that not working out at all that definitely hasn't happened recently in the premier league for example uh so i i see where some of the concern is coming from for Roma supporters I just also think to Joe's point you cannot look at the way this team is playing and the results they've gotten and think things were moving in the right direction we should have given Jose more time maybe injuries and some absences due to AFCON factors in there we should give that little tidbit thrown in but overall it didn't feel like the results and the style of football were were really endearing him to the uh, ownership at the very least. A couple of things for me. Taylor, you mentioned injuries there. And I know I talked about how I lean much more towards this time for Jose Mourinho at Roma being a failure than a success. I stand by that. I do think he he did some good things this year. And this Roma team has done some good things this year. They have been, to your point, though, Taylor, just hampered by injuries. Paulo Dybala, Chris Smalling, Tammy Abraham. Tammy Abraham was fantastic for Jose Mourinho. And then has been missing game after game after game. He's missed 36, 20 more than Jose Mourinho um, on the sidelines. <laughs> like, he's missed a bunch of games with an injury. Like, Roma are I'll missing. Say, I'll, I'll say, Joe, uh, in, anecdotally once again, in Rome, 
it was Tammy shirts everywhere when yeah. I first arrived. And it was almost overnight they all got switched for Dybala's. Yeah, and, and, and Lukaku has, has been a good goal scorer for them this year. But I mean, there are other high-quality players in here that don't really excuse them being in ninth place. But I, I do have some sympathy for Jose Mourinho. I'll also say, I love the idea for Roma of going and getting a caretaker manager. That's the, that's the key thing with De Rossi here. He has the deal through the end of the year. He was seemingly happy to accept it. His managerial experience, as we've covered, is very limited. Spall did not go well for him. He was on Mancini's staff at Euro 2020, Ryan's favorite tournament of all time. Uh, hashtag Giorgio Chiellini did nothing wrong. Uh, but like, he's hashtag done. Euro, hashtag it was a dive. Yep, <laughs> Joe. Go ahead. Joe. Joe. Go on. <laughs> Stop. All right, fair enough. Uh, but he, he hasn't done much on the coaching side. But I think getting somebody in like De Rossi, even with this initial hesitancy from fans, I think Roma are due for some results. First of all, I think they're going to climb. I would not be shocked if they end up in the Champions League spots between now and the end of the year. I would be a little surprised, but not shocked. They will be better, and that will make De Rossi look good because the new manager bouncing isn't real. Roma are just underperforming right now, and they're going to improve regardless. But like De Rossi is going to garner, I think, some, some love from fans as he has in his playing career. But I think it's the smartest move for the club because I would so much rather have a caretaker manager who throws his hat into the ring for the full-time job after the season's over, the hand control right now in the January transfer window where they can't spend any money. So there's mitigated risk for the moment. But then the hand control over right now to someone like Antonio Conte. Because who are you going to get on the market right now that you feel incredibly happy about leading your squad? Wait, evaluate the rest Wayne of the Rudy. season, figure out what you need, <laughs> rebuild your front office. Like you can, I didn't hear Taylor, and I feel like I really missed something. It's a big regret of mine personally right now. I just stated a, a factually correct statement. That's all. Um, yeah, Wayne Rooney is available. Oh, there it is. Okay, <laughs> thanks, Crab. Like rebuild. Like this club needs some rebuilding. They're gonna have to replace a GM. They're gonna have to replace a manager. Take a breath. Like make it through the rest of the season. Play it out. Try to climb the table. Maybe make the Champions League. You're not gonna win a trophy this year. That's okay. Go and rebuild for next season. I think adding someone like De Rossi who will garner favor relatively quickly if they start picking up some results. I think it makes a ton of sense. I, I agree, Joe. I think it is. I think they can regard it as a free hit for this the yes, rest of this season, totally. can't they? Uh, have him as an interim. You know, it, it is a P, there's a PR element to it, even though it hasn't been received spectacularly at the moment. But the proof's going to come in the pudding when the games start. They've got uh, Hellas Verona this weekend. I'm sure they're going to absolutely lift the roof for him at the start of their game. We'll see how it goes and see how it goes over the coming games thereafter. But... For the rest of the season, they can effectively write this one off. They're not going to get relegated. Although, once again, some of the comments on those posts suggesting they might be, <laughs> maybe in jest because that's what happened last time he took a job. But they've got a, a club hero who they can technically develop this half season should they want him in a few years' time. Then he goes off somewhere else, perhaps launches his career here, potentially. And then they're back in the market in the summer for right. a bigger name, so to speak. We've seen this film before, though, with a caretaker manager who goes in and lifts mm -hmm. everything and, oh, they get, they've all of a sudden got some results and then Daniel De Rossi gets the permanent gig in the summer because the club doesn't want to upset fans again if he's doing well. So I'm I'm not quite so warm on this appointment. Um, I just I, I, I bring it back to who do I think is a better coach, Jose Mourinho or Daniele De Rossi? Well, in the evidence that we have, despite the fact he's coming down the other side of the mountain, I still think Jose Mourinho. And if they were due, if uh, Joe, if, 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 if what Joe says is correct, they were due some results. And actually, if you look at their expected yeah, uh, goal difference, it's actually, it's it's okay, which suggests that they're underperforming right now and maybe there'll be a course correction in, in, in the second half of the season. With that in mind, some of the underlying numbers suggest that there was going to be a turnaround under Jose Mourinho. So, I don't know. I, I yeah. can't really see much sense in it. I, I think I think with that in mind, it's it's a... Pretty thankless position for Daniel Daniela De Rossi because if he comes in and it gets worse, that's his fault. If it comes in, if he comes in and then they stay the same or same position or roughly the same position, he didn't improve. Jose might have improved, and then even if he does get them into like fifth or sixth or seventh, I still feel like the speculation will be: well, Jose might have done that. We don't know if Jose couldn't have done that. That does seem to be where the at least some of the sentiment is coming from from the fan base of we should have given him to the end of the season the pressure was kind of off we could have seen what the turnaround might have been and then decided accordingly so I think short of Joe's point of, of them finishing top four it's going to be hard for Daniel De Rossi to come out of this looking like the savior the guy who should get the gig though even if he isn't the one who gets the gig permanently looking at Roma's managerial history they tend to rehire people after a few years so maybe <laughs> both of these guys will be back in like 2028 yeah. or something like that well that's a very Italian thing the rehiring I suppose to be fair yeah it's not exclusively to Roma but I think Taylor I'd also say it's almost a free hit for De Rossi as well because he 
he's never going to have to buy a drink in Rome again. He's still a hero regardless of what happens. If you look at something like Alan Shearer at Newcastle, comes in for, what was it, eight games at the end of that season where he got them relegated, they don't hate Alan Shearer in Newcastle. He's still a legend for them. So for him, I think it's it's almost like if, if he does fail, it was like, what did you expect of me? Did you not see what happened at Spurl? You know. Yeah, it's great for him. He's got a <laughs> yeah. job that really, yeah. in a football sense, he has no right to have. Right. Just from Roma's point of view, I don't, don't see much sense. Graham, sure. who, I guess, Graham, who would you want? Is your argument sort of just keep Jose Mourinho around yeah, and, I mean, and wait Mourinho, for things to turn? I don't disagree with your argument about the rebuild coming in the summer. Mourinho was out of contract in the summer. You can still keep him on yeah. until the end of the season yeah. and then rebuild in the summer. I just don't see much upside of hiring De Rossi other than... The Friedkins have fallen out with Mourinho. They want to spin it in a way that keeps fans on side, and this is maybe a way to to ensure that happens. Yeah. In a football sense, I don't see much upside to this. I am I am sensitive to that argument. Absolutely, I think your your point about well, Roma are putting themselves in a difficult spot if De Rossi does well, and they sort of feel like they need to keep him around because they don't want to deal with the backlash that's going to come after that decision. That's a difficult thing for Roma. I, I think we'd all probably agree. Maybe we wouldn't. At least I, I would say. The biggest thing that Roma need to sort out is their finances. They need to figure out how to get more quality into this team so that they can compete with Inter Milan, so that they can compete with Juventus and AC Milan. Like There are other teams yeah. in Serie A right now that just have straight-up better squads. And maybe that's just waiting for Tammy Abraham to come back and waiting for AFCON to be over and getting some more of these players back into the team. Maybe that helps more than expected, but it's pretty hard to look at Roma, even when they have everyone available, and say, like, this team is obviously in the top two or in the top four or whatever it is. They're in sort of that upper clump of teams in Serie A. It seems like there always is a clump there more than anything else, but they're not really at the level in my mind of some of the other teams that are consistently punching over the last couple of years in the the upper echelons of Serie A. So I, I think there are other things that really need to be considered this summer, at the very least, along with whoever is going to be sitting in the manager's seat. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they also... I think we can say they do underachieve. I'm coming around to your failure element here, Joe, but I think that's a historic thing. We've compared them to West Ham in the past on this feed, but maybe also we could compare them to Newcastle. Uh, giant stadium, support of most of the city, not all of it, most of it. But, you know, they they are not as good on the field as they should be, given the infrastructure they have, given the money they've spent, given the size of their fan base. I think it's fair to say they should be doing better. Yep. Agreed. I should, New- I should Newcastle. Welcome aboard, Ryan. Happy to have you. All right, you pull me in, Joe. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a bit more about the Roma and what comes next for Jose. Back shortly. Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach, Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think, I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
Total Soccer Show, welcome back to the big thing. Taylor, we are talking all mm-hmm. things Roma. Um, Joseph spent a lot of money on that gosh darn squad, didn't he? We mm-hmm. probably should uh, emphasize that. I think he would emphasize that it was not him who spent it. And he wished that they could have signed the players that he wanted and then all would be fine. Unfortunately, that's not the way it worked, Ryan. I, I am. I do have questions about Roma's squad for a moment, if we could talk it out. Because similar to what I was talking about with the PR spin from Mourinho versus PR spin from Roma... I feel like you get that editorializing when it comes to who is covering this team and how they're writing about his sacking. Because like they mentioned Paolo Dybala and how he signed for Roma. The, the theory was largely because Jose Mourinho was there. And it's a, a relatively big club. But you add Jose Mourinho, who's one of the biggest managerial names, it's a little bit more impact there. And so he signs there. But then it, like I see other ones that are like, yeah, but they signed him and he's injury prone. And you had to expect that he was never going to be the player that you needed him to be. Uh, and if that's what your attack is built around, you're going to be in trouble. They get Lukaku on a free, a player they wouldn't have gotten for free if it weren't for Jose Mourinho. Yeah, but he disappears in big games and you can't really rely on him. And it feels like for every point, there's a counterpoint. And so I guess for somebody like Graham, who watches every single game on the planet, like are, there is quality in this team, right? Like, are there players yeah. that if you're Daniel De Rossi coming in, uh, Daniela De Rossi, man, that's hard to say fast for some reason. Uh, who would you build around? Who are the players that you think can be reliable, have been reliable, should be mm-hmm. pillars of this team? So obviously this is dependent on players being fit, but their front three in particular of Dybala, Pellegrini, and look, I don't know how good Romelu Lukaku is right now, but clearly he's done it in the past in Serie A. Um, that front three is, I think, potentially one of the best, one of the strongest in Serie A. I also quite like their midfield. Brian Cristante, Paredes, Eduardo Bove, who is a, a young player. And actually, that's one of the things that Mourinho did change at Roma mm-hmm. in, in terms of his own approach. He brought through quite a good number of, of young players, not something you would have associated with him at previous clubs. And, and, and Bove is, is, is one of them. Spinazzola at left wing back. Uh, Christensen as well at right wing back. Hasn't been fantastic this season, but I remember um, writing something about him. Mourinho was a big fan of of his so those are two players as well and then we spoke about Evan Indica when did we speak about Evan Indica was that on the AFCON yeah. preview yeah. show um I like him a lot so he, he can play on the left side of a back three I think the jury's out on Diego Lorente in that defense Ru- Rui Patricio jury's out a little bit on him as well I think they overspent for him uh, cost about maybe 11 million euros yep. so there is quality in that team, I think, to answer your question, Taylor, what's the areas they can build around? I think it's that front three that they've got with Tammy Abraham as well. Remember, if he gets fit again, he might be better than Romelu Lukaku at this stage of his career. And then that midfield unit with uh, Spinazzola as a funnel into the final third on on, on the left side. There is, there is quality mm. to, to work with there. there and given there how is... good he's been in the past, sorry, Joe, real quick, uh, Chris Smalling obviously also out with injury. If you have him in there, that kind of fills that right uh, right centre-back spot. And you do have a stronger team with some of those players back in there. So again, it's like Jose Mourinho getting somewhat results out of a team that is injury hit and does have absences at the same time. Fewest points the club have had after 20 Serie A games since 2002. Worst points average of any Rossi coach since the early 90s, I believe. Yeah. yeah. You can look at this squad, and like I said earlier, you can look at the squad and think, okay, this is this is a good group. You can look at the exact. You can look at other squads towards the top of Serie A and say pretty much the exact same thing, right? Do any of us think that Roma squad is that much better, or or even as good as Milan or Juventus or Inter or now? Like they're just kind of in that. You stop. Pit. You stop before you completed Napoli. Yes. I think yeah, 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 yeah. That one. I didn't feel as good about that one. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that. Um, so so happy about that. But like nobody looks at this team and says obvious title contender no one looks at this team and says obvious really maybe even obvious title challenger and, and they're even in a worse spot than some of the clubs that are higher up in the table because of some of the some of the financial stuff that we mentioned already they've been in financial hot water with uefa which has hurt their squad depth and their ability to acquire top end talent and it's it's going to continue to be difficult to do that without jose Mourinho maybe recruiting some of these players in they spent 123 million dollars in the first summer with jose Mourinho on board that was the summer before uh, what would have been the 2021-2022 season. They had record losses that year financially, and they were put under this settlement agreement for breaching FFP. So they had restricted spending, and because they didn't make the Champions League that year and still haven't, they have been in a tough spot. Like, they were betting on going all in that year on transfers, nailing a bunch of their signings, and doing really well in the league and in the Champions League and collecting prize money along the way, and that just did not happen. And that has had a ripple effect into where this team is right now. So you look at Inter, 
going out in the summer and signing Marcus Turam. You look at AC Milan going out and strengthening in a big way this summer, realizing that they needed to refresh their squad to give Rafael Leao more help in the attack. And all of a sudden, those teams are are in first and third. I mean, Inter is, is pretty clearly, I think, the best team in Serie A. But other teams are strengthening, is my point. While Roma really aren't. You can make a real argument that they whiffed on almost everybody <sighs> in that initial transfer window after Tammy Abraham. Maybe not quite everybody. But they splashed, like I said, $123 million. That investment, by and large, did not pay off. And they are still suffering from that today. Joe, are you saying that Matias Vina and Eldor Shomorudov are not the, the key <laughs> players that we all expected them to be? Yeah, they spent a lot of money. A lot of stuff didn't work out. I mean, some, some did, right? Tammy Abraham really, really was a smash hit. It's just a shame, a shame about the injury stuff. Um, but Taylor, to answer your question succinctly... Uh, no, they, they are not. <laughs> yeah. An- another circumstance, Joe, that could have led to that situation is Lazio outperforming them. Uh, higher in the table than right now, obviously did very well in Serie A last year as well. Lazio are at the Super Cup at the moment. I think they're playing today as we record, in fact, or yesterday they played, excuse me. Um, it's it, it can't be discounted how important that is to the people at the club as well to see their neighbours who they would regard themselves as superior to whether that's true yeah. or not doing what they did last season particularly and surely also napoli so i know there's not really well i'm not aware of any kind of great rivalry between roma and napoli but at the moment in Serie A, while i agree with joe's point that you wouldn't say roma squad is as good as maybe the top three that you mentioned there ac milan juventus and, and inter it is open enough that there is the possibility for a team to come from nowhere and make uh, a run like Napoli did last season, but you require players like Kvarat Scalia or Kim, Kim May Jay to be like real bargain signings, um, kind, of, kind of wonder kids or whatever you want to call them that come from nowhere and, and, and are superstars right off run, um, right off the bat. And Roma haven't, weren't able to do that. The other thing that I, th- I think doesn't cast Roma in a, um, excuse me, Mourinho in a particularly positive light is this is a Roma team that in 2018 made the, or not this team, but this is a, Roma as a club made the Champions League semifinals. So even in a recent like context looking through the prism of recent seasons what Eusebio uh, De Francesco who I believe was the manager that season did in 2017-18 outweighs what Mourinho did and you look at the squad that they had then Alison Becker uh, they had Kolarov they had Strootman Pellegrini's in that team De Rossi's actually still in that team Edin Zeko was fantastic I remember him being mm-hmm. excellent Stefan El Sharawi at that time was a good player for them so even by that context, um, Renew has kind of underachieved. All right, Graham, big question. What next for Jose, uh, a.k.a. which Saudi club does he turn up at? <laughs> yeah, that feels likely. Um, I really don't know what comes next for Jose Mourinho, but I don't think this is the end for him and management. There's just too much chatter around, and a lot of that chatter is created by him. But I do believe that he has had some offers. I do believe him when he says that. Last summer it was PSG who looked at him before deciding, deciding probably rightfully, uh, not to go for him. He had an offer from a Saudi Pro League club. Florentino Perez continues to have him on a shortlist anytime Ancelotti is in uh, a, a, a bit of trouble. So dumb. my view... That is a dumb, dumb thing to have on your shortlist, in my opinion. But anyway, go ahead, Graham. Yes. Not not uh, Florentino Perez's first dumb idea, I might what? add. But it's... yeah. <laughs> Um, my view is that Mourinho shouldn't get another opportunity at a big club in Europe, but I really can't shake the sense that he will be back at that level. I think there's just enough, even though at the end of this ep- all, all the way through this episode, the, the common consensus has been this has been a failure. He's underachieved at Roma, but I think there's just enough in his time there for him to spin this in his favour. And there will be an owner or a chairman who falls for the charisma or the res, as we now apparently nope. call it. Nope. And I just. Nope. Uh, that was a one day just... thing. We are never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Two day thing, Joe. Um, I just don't think football can quit Jose Mourinho. I, I, the, the, the character he is, the personality that he is, there will be a chairman out there that gives him another yeah. crack at this. In Saudi Arabia. Uh, yeah, I think I, the only way I could see him getting back into a relatively like top tier gig is if he were to maybe take a couple years off or go manage in Saudi Arabia for a year, maybe take his time for the rest of this season, manage in Saudi. And then I think the Euros are too soon, obviously, but maybe after the Euros, a national team comes calling. And if he takes a national team gig and they they qualify for the World Cup and then they do well at the World Cup, we've seen that before where clubs think, oh, 
he's rediscovered something. Oh, he's found new form. Oh, he's got new ideas. Fun he how. is an accomplished manager. And then maybe he gets a gig off of that, and then it goes about as we would expect it to go, because ultimately that's how it goes for Jose Mourinho. I, I think that's the strangest part of this for me, is how it's not even like for his, his lack of success at Manchester United or at Tottenham. It, it's just how things have gone for him to the point where he's leaving Roma the way he is, and it's not as though he, he did new things with their style of play. It's not as though he, he really changed up their tactical acumen or changed up their identity. It just feels like it, it was more... Mourinho ball and this time round they scored a few more goals they have conceded I think the second most goals of any team in the top half of the table in Serie A so it's not like we're seeing the old Mourinho one nil every game and they're boring and dull but they're getting results it just doesn't seem like he has he has been able to do all that much at least domestically in in, in the league and so it's just an odd situation that it's not like you can really point to one thing as like well that's why a club might want him like we you know, Real Madrid desperate to win the Europa Conference League. They're going to bring him in. I just think it's going to take him getting a sort of unheralded position and then having success to get another look from a club. So, Taylor, how far at the how far into the 2026 World Cup would Mourinho's USMNT have to go for him to uh, restore his reputation and get a big club? I will answer that question, that. and then I have thoughts on that point. Uh, <laughs> I think it would be like semifinals. Like if the US under Jose Mourinho were like this kind of swashbuckling attacking team that was also good defensively and maybe like punched a few people along the way and he got a red card and they still made it out of the group. I I, I think that would do it. Like U.S. making the quarters of the semis. I don't understand that talking point. I've seen so many people. I went back on Twitter. It was a mistake. So many people are arguing like, this is the coach we should have had. This is the guy the U.S. needs. And it's like, show me a thing at Roma that tells you that you think this is the guy that was going to make the U.S. play better. If anything, they were going to play more defensive more football boring. with a, like, put one big guy up top and then we'll play it off of him and see what happens. Like, I, I think, if anything, the U.S. is not particularly well-suited to what Jose Mourinho wants to do. Maybe that's coming from a position of ignorance, but I think there are other national teams where he might have more joy. Like, honestly, I think he might be a better fit for Canada. I, I, th- I think, like, there's there are points in there that could work in his favor, including the fact that there is not nearly as much hype around them, especially after what happened in 2022, especially with their financial issues. If he went in there and had a ton of success and took a pay cut to do so... I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe yeah, that's if he wants to work for free. I think that would work yeah, out yeah. really well. Roma is complaining about like where's my 100 million euro mm-hmm. striker at Canada is like what I have to drive to the games. Like there's there's levels to this. Yeah, it's. Uh... I like. I know. Maybe it makes me crazy, and I understand it's Jose Mourinho, who at one point was the best manager in the world. At one point was one of the best managers in the world. And I don't even feel comfortable saying this, but like I, I really do think Greg Berhalter would be a better coach for the U.S. than Jose Mourinho. Not just because he's familiar with the team, but just because Jose is so famous for having players fall out, having the squad implode. And even though it hasn't really happened at Roma, he had Karsdorp uh, demand to leave and then somehow gets uh, back into the team. But there's reporting. Uh, here's a quote from that. I think it was the Horncastle piece. Mourinho clearly believed that certain players are not giving enough for their cause. He was refused to name and shame, primarily because he was, in general, happy with the effort being put at in by what he felt was an overstretched squad, but at the same time did consistently point to a lack of resources, a lack of quality, the injuries, the players not performing at the level he expected. And I just see that being a disaster. If you fall out with certain players and refuse to call them back, uh, I I think you're going to end up having not much success. And and I think you look at what Berhalter did with Gio Reyna, and there's a falling out, but it seems like it's restored. With Mourinho, I don't know if the restoration is there, and I don't know if it would go as smoothly as people think it would. So crazy as that may be, I am I am not in favor of him taking over the USMNT. Now, an MLS team, DC United, let's make it happen. Uh, okay. Joe, <laughs> is, what do you think about that? Is there a place for Jose Mourinho at, any, at, at an MLS team, at a national team? Is there a place for Jose Mourinho and his style in 2024 in yeah yeah i mean there absolutely is right we've got sean deitch still out here coaching games like there's i think sean deitch over Jose Mourinho right now shots fired at the the worm at the worm king but like there are there are there are plenty of of managers out here that are still playing very similar soccer to what Jose Mourinho does you see it in any league all around the world so yeah i totally think there is still a place for Jose Mourinho mostly i still think there's a place for his personality and and i take your point graham about like the big club stuff, and it, it's a little hard to say where he's going to go. I think there is probably still some club out there that's like, yeah, we we want to 
get some interest. Like we want to get that financial boost, Ryan, that you mentioned that Roma have gotten because he will bring that. And if an MLS team had a job opening, probably not one of the super well-run ones, but um, maybe any of the other like 25, I think there would be opportunity there. I don't think he'd take it, um, but I think that would be a fascinating situation. A national team, maybe he wants to work part-time, which is basically what a national team coach does. There are opportunities there, or it could be a, a semi-big club in Europe. I think Joe or, or Saudi Arabia, I should add as well. I think Jose Mourinho still has a lot of options because right or wrong, he is still Jose Mourinho. I think I don't think he would go here, but I think the best spot I can think of for Jose Mourinho when it, when you talk about fan bases that are going to be incredibly fanatically loyal, but also will really enjoy the intensity and the heart and the red cards and the streaming at officials, but also where he could have a lot of success and there are resources would be Turkey. And I think one of the top three clubs in Turkey with Jose Mourinho in charge, I mean, that is the island of misfit toys so often is the case with Galatasaray or Fenerbahce or Besiktas, that for him to go there and qualify for the Champions League and 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 make some stuff happen with Fener or, or Galatasaray or Besiktas, like I, I do think that would be a smart spot for him. But again, it's such a step down from where he has been. Uh, no disrespect intended, but I, I think even Roma would be considered one of those like historically significant large clubs. Maybe not a big club to reference yesterday's show or, or Wednesday's show, that is. Uh, but, but I think that would be a smart one for him. Any place where he has some resources and would have a lot of loyalty, I think would go a long way. I like that. Galatasaray feels like a... A, a feels good, perfect. Yeah, feels good, Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan. What about the England job post Euros? He's been linked with it before. Gareth Southgate leaving. I, I wouldn't hate it. But I, I do wonder whether he is quite suited to tournament soccer in terms of. Yeah, you know, it's not the most thrilling thing, but it's the kind of it's exactly the kind of grind you need to get through a tournament yeah. that he provides. I, yeah, I, I so don't the hate theory it. is. Yeah, the theory is, as 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 you kind of referenced there, that his approach will work, work quite well in international tournaments where teams are quite conservative and it's not quite as proactive as you see in club soccer. International soccer in general just feels about like 10, maybe even 15 years behind the curve, which is where Mourinho is stuck in there his managerial go. career. So maybe it would work. The, the reason I don't think it would work for England is when Southgate goes, there's going to be a clamour for them to appoint someone who prefers maybe a little bit more of an exciting approach that's always been the criticism with gareth southgate i'm not sure Mourinho is that man so uh yeah i'm not sure about who, that who one. is that man i don't is it graham potter i don't is that more exciting <laughs> well the reporter is that the fa want pep guardiola um, all right I don't know how likely that is after the Euros, but <laughs> yeah <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Uh, very good. Thank you very much for this discussion, gentlemen. Taylor, we've uh, we've become enriched on the situation at Roma. We will see this weekend when Daniel De Rossi steps out onto the sidelines at the Olimpico whether this whole shebang was a good idea. I look Kudos. forward to, uh, to Totti taking over for the final two games of the season when oh. De Rossi does not work out. Oh, boy. He's going to wow. be fine. It's going to be okay. Yeah, he'll be good. Taylor, thank you very much for your contributions to this big thing. He shakes his head no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Graham Ruthven, your insight is appreciated as always. Thank you, Ryan Bailey. Eh, Senor Gio, Senor Gio, molte grazie. Molte grazie for you, Ryan. Joe did the hands as well, everybody. (laughs) Woo! Uh, Listener, thank you very much for joining us on this big thing. We hope you enjoyed it. Patreon.com slash Total Soccer if you'd like to continue the conversation on our Discord chat. We'll be back on the feed very shortly indeed. But for now, bye! Bye!